0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. So, would you help me welcome our speaker today, Justin Stockman? All right. Good to see all your smiling faces. Honored to talk to you tonight. So we are gonna, we're gonna have some fun. It's my, uh, it's my fun weekend with, uh, Jen, every year, goes to PCB with uh, Panama City with, with the school. And I get all my four girls, and we just party out up like rock stars. <laughs> I think I went to bed at 8.30 the first night. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, if you don't know... Um, I have few. Uh, four beautiful girls, and Kylie's in the front row. She's here hanging out with us tonight. So, uh, Well, I'm going to talk about you tonight. I'm going to talk about the beauty of the church. If you would, say with me, I am the church. I am the church. Yep, that's true. That's who you are. And uh, so I'm excited and honored just to kind of hopefully recalibrate some things about what it means for you to be the church and for us to be a local church. And we're just going to see what our Father wants to do. So let's pray for a moment. Well, Father, uh, actually our greatest privilege when we come to this gathering together is just to say, you're our dad and you are so holy. You are so worthy. You are so good. The greatest understanding of your goodness here on earth still doesn't compare to how good you are. I just thank you that we all can use an upgrade in our mindset about how good of a father you are. That Jesus you just pointed over and over and over in in your life to your father, to your dad, and you told that that's you told us to do the same to point to the Father and I just thank you for a, a church, a community that no longer are we orphans moving to and fro, but we are sons and daughters of a really good dad. And that's just really good news. It's just the simplicity of the gospel. That you're a dad and you invited us into your perfect union. And we're just honored to be called your body. We're honored to be called sons and daughters of the living God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, so I want, I really have a goal tonight to, to talk through um, a little bit why we do this very thing, why we gather weekly, some people gather more than that, some people gather less than that. But what is the gathering for? And prior to that, I would like, um, before that, I would like to describe a little bit about what the church is. And so, if a lot of times, if we don't know what something is, or we don't know why we're doing something, we can get disheartened about that. We can get, our hearts begin to grow sick, like, why? Why? Why do I do that? And I I don't know about you, but when you start allowing hope to be just deferred in your life or your expectation or your why to be removed, you can find yourself living just an aimless life, going to and fro about your life. And the question, the, the loneliness happens, the why am I here happens, the, all these questions that obviously, these lies that come from the father of lies, the enemy. And he loves to distract you and me from our destiny. And I don't know about you, but I'm done being distracted from my destiny because our father has something amazing for us to do on this earth. And it's simply found in his prayer which is bring the kingdom of heaven to this place bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth and that is our mandate as sons and daughters of the living god and so in that mandate though we can if we start to get the kingdom message and understand that we are here to to build the kingdom of heaven and bring the kingdom of heaven. I know what it did for me for a season. It caused me to get lost in the why do we gather locally to sing a few songs, read the Bible, hear a word, and then we go home. And it got just honestly confusing to me. I wanted to know why. And depending on probably what generation you're from, I know the generation especially that's coming up that's even a little bit younger than me, their why is a lot louder than our whys were. And even the older generation. The older generation is like, you just do it. Don't forsake the symboling together. Don't forsake the gathering together. Don't forsake that. It's in the Bible, so you just do it. This next generation is like, why? Why? And I I found myself in a season um, of asking why. I got saved when I was three. I've been a pastor for 15 years now. I've been a leader in the church. And I even started to ask why. Why do we do this? And I hope to, to answer some of those whys tonight. And I remember, as a little kid, um, I lived in a uh, just a cul de sac, and we were right next to a park. And there's a couple alleys in our little cul de sac where um, we could play basketball and do different things. And 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 one of my buddies, he uh, even when I was nine, he was a couple years older than me. I think he was probably about thirteen or fourteen. And um I I heard the voice of my mom yell and hey Justin, it's time to come home. Come home. And I, I okay, okay. And little ways away, and the 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 yard that or the place that we were playing, there was a there's a a good sized yard and it was all fenced in and and I was at the, the far corner of this, this yard and, and we were with my buddies and I began to ran around the side of this yard and my buddy, he got the not bright idea of picking up a stick about the size of this mic, probably a little bit bigger. It's more like, I shouldn't call it a stick, I should call it what it was, it was a log. And for some, Dumb 13-year-old reason he thought it would be fun to hurl it over both fences as I was running home. And I happened to be on the other side of this fence by the time the log came at me. And at that point, I knew why I was going home. I knew the reason. I knew the, it was time for dinner. There was something to do. Mom had something good for me. Next thing I know, I wake up from the ground with blood gushing out of my head because this log had distracted me from my purpose of making it home. So it was one of the, it was, I think the first time, nah, I may have been knocked out before then. Me and my brother used to do some fun things. We used to bare knuckle box and he was two and a half years older than me. And he used to tell me, we say, we're not gonna punch in the face until we think the guy's almost knocked out, the other brother, which I'm the little brother. Somehow I was the one that always got knocked out. <laughs> so this was another thing. I, I wake up, I, I come to the reality of ouch. And I, I'm nine then, so I'm sure I go crying home and my mom fixed me up. But if you start to lose the why or the what are you doing, you get just in this daze, in this knocked out phase. And we can get that about the gathering together. We can get that. I mean, it's a lot of work for you guys to, get, to get, be in this place. I've heard most of your stories. I've heard a lot of your guys' stories. You know, and for years, this Bethel Church has been, you know, I drove two hours to get here. And, and, and I've, you know, you know, I've heard people, I'm like, where do you live? They're like, Carolina? I'm like, really? and this is your church? They're like, yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. But people sacrifice in amazing ways to get here. So really, I'm, I'm talking to the choir tonight, but I want you to get my heart because I hope it, you catch another glimpse of the why because we need to know the why we do what we do. If we don't, we, we lose heart. And so what is the church? And a, a beautiful, simple... Definition of the church. Yes, I will say this to start. The church is you. If you know Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, you are part now of this family of God. You are part of the church. I love the individual um, story of the gospel, how it's so individual. It's so that the cross is all about, if you were the only person, you would have been worth dying for. This is the message of the gospel. But the truth is, is it's not only you. You actually have a whole bunch of brothers and sisters to do this life with and eternity life with. For the rest of eternity, we will be together as the beautiful bride or the beautiful family of God. And so, simply, what is the church? It's all those who believe in Jesus, past, present, and future. It's anybody who puts their trust in Jesus. And the other thing that I love to talk about. And I want to talk about the heaven's perspective because how many of you know, let's actually just turn there. Let's turn to Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians 6. 12. And it says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And, and probably a lot of us have heard um, some, some messages about spiritual warfare and, and warring in the spirit. And, and I want to say tonight that one of your greatest ways to war in the heavens is to gather together. To gather together and you bring you and I bring me and something changes in the heavens. We don't just do this and, and, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a moment, but we don't just do this to hear a a good message or sing a few cute songs. We do this because something changes in the heavens. And my, my challenge was as a kid, I remember it's like, I believe a lot of us probably have went to church because you've received a spirit of shame. And shame looked like, the whole don't for, um, forsake the assembly of together, don't forsake that gathering together. And if you do, you're bad. So I remember, I mean, I got saved when I was three, so I was the kid asleep underneath the pews. You remember those things? I was asleep under there. We were always at church. You went on vacation, you still went to church got to be at church now there's a great heart behind that but if we lose the why it turns into religion which nobody ain't got we ain't got time for this religious garbage nobody's got time for that nobody's got time to partner with the spirit of religion it's how the church for so long has tried to keep people things like purity they've tried to keep people pure from sexual immorality with shame You don't don't exchange one devil for another. That's not helpful. It's not helpful. Not at all. No, but what do you actually do? You receive the why. You want to know the why you're doing what you're doing. Some of your greatest resources, your your, your number one resource is, um, is time. On this side of eternity, it's time. You were given a gift. It's called time. One of the first uh, uh, gifts, um, one of the first uh, uh, promises that the Lord releases is honor your father and mother and you will have a long life. A long life is good. It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. God wants to give us time because we have an individual call to bring heaven to earth, but we also have a corporate mandate which looks like allowing Atlanta to see the kingdom of heaven. And one of the best ways to do that, to see the kingdom of heaven, is this gathering together to worship and to pray and to hear. But let's talk more about that. So um, this says the visible church and the invisible church, which that's just simply saying that even when we gather People who have passed, the, 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 saints, the saints that have gone, the saints that are, that are dead. There's this cloud of witnesses that still cheers us on and says, You got this, guys. You go for this. There's this heavenly cry that says, Go for it. Go for it. Why? Because we're actually providing breakthrough for the next generation. So literally, our ceiling can be their floor. Our place of breakthrough can be something they walk in and just know they're just like, oh yeah, of course we have breakthrough in that. I'm not an orphan. I know I'm a son. I'm awesome. I bring the kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick, raise the dead. I cast out devils. This is just who I am. We want to see a generation, a city that knows these truths But most of the time, our cities are so deterred with lies, just these lies. The heavenly places haven't been, um, there hasn't been this captivity. And what does that captivity actually look like in this invisible realm? It looks like the church replacing lies with the truth. That's the corporate body. The corporate body coming together and hearing the truth. And then the truth actually changing mindsets. One of my favorite stories was when I was in Reading. Um, I was in Reading from 2003 to 2000, I believe it was six. And I was there and I was, in a, I was at a grocery store and I was in line. And all of a sudden I heard the man in front of me say to the person in front of them, hey, I want to buy your groceries. And the person in front of them, they didn't look like they were impoverished or anything was really going on. And the person in front of them said, Why do you want to do that? And the the guy said, well, about a month ago, somebody from this this church called Bethel paid for my groceries, and I just want to pay it forward. He probably saw the movie. (laughs) I don't care, though, what happened there. A heavenly, godly mindset got released to somebody who didn't even know the king yet. He didn't even know God yet, and his mind was actually doing good things. It's like, of course I'll be kind. Of course I'll be generous. Why? Because the heavens change. This is what can happen over a region where generosity can just break forth in the heavens. And people are like, yeah, I'm just generous. Money doesn't hold me. I just give it away. I don't work for money. It works for me. They can have mindset shifts. Why? Because the heavens have actually changed. The heavenly realm has changed. And this is part of the reason we gather. Because when we hear um, what the Lord is actually saying, something changes in the heavens. And it's just a beautiful thing. You guys okay? Say I'm alive. I'm not invisible yet. Okay. So, and and let's just read that in Colossians. I I love this because this is obviously pointing... To Jesus, I've been just devouring the book of Colossians. He, speaking of Jesus, he is, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, um, we'll start in um, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, that's just really, really good news. And that whole thing is all about the supremacy of Christ, the bigness of Christ. It's all in him and by him and through him. And he reconciled the world through I mean, he reconciled um, the body of Christ to the Father. and in that, through his shedding of his blood, he brought something. But the beautiful thing about Christ is once he has done it for all, now he says to us, "You do it." we actually get the mandate to bring heaven to earth. We actually get this apostolic mindset, this apostolic mandate that changes everything, which Jesus is the great apostle. The church is also local and global. And that's in the now. Anybody who confesses Christ to be Lord Gets to be a part of this, but I know so many who who choose. I don't. I don't. I don't got time for church. I don't want church. I'm too busy with my life. Well, if you're missing church, you actually are missing bringing who you are to the heavenly realm in this way. And again, there's multiple different ways to bring the heavenly realm. I will never diminish your personal time with the Father. So beautiful. He's so personal. He's so personal. But he's also so corporate. I've been in this world for a while, in our Bethel stream for a long time, and sometimes I see this ugly thing pop up where it's these sons who, and daughters who begin to get a little cocky and they think they're islands to themselves. They think it's all about them. They think that their time, their their talent, their gifting is all about them. No, this stuff is about the body. And we are going to go to 2 Corinthians 12 here in a minute so you guys can go there. But it's all about a body. You are not an island to yourself. So there's people that say, I don't need a local gathering... And we'll probably figure out why here in a minute people do this. Because they're not doing anything. They're just sitting in there, singing some songs, worshiping, sometimes not even worship. And they have this cynical attitude towards this, this heavenly thing that we are doing tonight. So, in Corinthians, let's do there. Corinthians 12. And and I'll set the bullet point for this. It's that, that God desired a family. God desired a family. And you get to be part, if you believe in Him, you get to be part of this family. And at that moment of believing in Him, everything changes. Transformation is in that moment. And from that place, you grow from glory to glory. Growth never stops. Did you know when you're in heaven, you will still grow? You won't grow from sin or a place of sinning, but you will grow from a place of seeing more of God every moment because He's inexhaustible. He's so far beyond anything we could ever imagine, think, dream, so better, He's the best. So we will always be growing. So let me tell you never stop growing because that's the other thing cocky sons and daughters do. I'm fine. It's the finished work of the cross. You know, I'm good. I'm great. I don't need to grow. No, you do. It's called sanctification. You grow from glory to glory. And it's not because you're a bad seed. That's what transformation of the cross looked like. You were transformed. You can't be that bad seed anymore. You can sure look at it and play in the old mud if you want if you desire to, but you are not that bad seed anymore. You are transformed into a new seed in Christ, and good things grow. He's produced you for good fruit, great, great, great fruit. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you look good tonight. So this is all about... um, Corinthians 12 is all about spiritual gifts, and it's all about the body of Christ. It's all about the unity of Christ, the unity of, of his body. And so let's just, read, let's just read some of it. I'm not going to lie. I'd love to just read the whole thing, but it's awesome. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, this is just verse 1. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Everybody say, it's good to be led. led. It's really good to be led. Again, if we forget the why, we stop being led. And we wander aimlessly. That's why we need to remember the why we do what we do. Because let's be led. Because we'll be led. But it depends by Who? Okay, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaks in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are various um, gifts, but the same spirit. And in this, he begins to list the gifts of the, the gifts that the Lord releases to the body. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna um, read them off to you. It's the utterance of wisdom. It's the utterance of knowledge. It's faith. It's healing. It's working of miracles. It's prophecy. Distinguishing of spirits, between spirits. Various kinds of tongues and interpretations of tongues. This is the outer works of the kingdom coming to heaven. I mean the, the kingdom coming to earth. And this is something that we all get to be a part of. We all get to bring. And each of us have difference. And this is what begins to happen. I, I, I love it as we, as we go down to verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so is it with Christ. This is um, verse 13. For, the, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew, Greek, slave, free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consider, and it goes into the many members. It, it starts to describe the many members of the body, and, and it goes into, well, I'm not an eye. And the eye says to the hand, I'm not a hand. And then they start to compare. And the challenge that I see so much within the church is comparison. Comparison is a devil that robs you from your destiny, it robs you from your identity. Because we look at others, and it's different than looking at others. Paul says over and over and over in the epistles, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's really healthy to be led by fathers and mothers. Everybody, all of us need fathers and mothers in our lives. And most of us don't have earthly fathers and mothers, and I don't mean natural, I mean spiritual. Why? Because we've been hurt. Because we've been drugged through the mud. We've been controlled. We've seen some perversion of leadership or fathering or mothering. We've seen a perversion and remember, the enemy can not create one thing. He has no creative power. He can only pervert things. He can only twist them. And that's what happens is so therefore, we have a bunch of wounds dealing with leaders in the church. We've seen a bunch of control. We've seen a bunch of problems. And so there, in that, we say we don't want any of that. So then we find ourselves siloed, and maybe we come, maybe we show up to the corporate gathering, but we never give ourselves one to another. We never actually join. We kind of just stand offish, and ah, oh, last time a hand really hurt me. Those hands hurt. Those eyes, when he looked at me like that, that hurt. I felt condemned. And that orphan thing jumps all over us and we say, so therefore, people are scary. Yes, they are. Yet what do we do with our fear? We don't run from it, we move through it. We move through fear. If you want to know that you're not controlled by fear, move through it. It's healthy to say, I am frightened, but I'm moving towards what the Father is saying. But what do we to do? We go, I'm hurt, I step back. Well, what do we need then? We need to grow, we need to get healed. We need to forgive, we need to repent, we need to mourn. Whatever we need to do to grow, and those are the three biggest keys I do with one-on-one counseling, is repentance, forgiveness, and mourning. And most of the time, the people that I meet with one-on-one, the one area they don't know about is mourning. They know a lot about repentance and forgiveness. Why? Because it's been pretty Just jammed in their head if they've been in church at all, which I love those two, big deals. But they actually learn how to move through pain, and that's what mourning looks like. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How are they comforted? By a heavenly father and by earthly fathers and mothers. Mourning is never meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done in a family. It's meant to be done in a spiritual family that brings comfort and life and freedom. That's a good word. All right. So in this, it goes through the body, and there's this back and forth with the body, and there's this comparison. There's this ah, and I love it. We actually have a choice in what we do with that, and I love it. I literally, from, from it's been probably the last couple of years, I see comparison. It's just a devil. And devils, are, I, I, I love, um, I talk to my kids about devils, and I don't call them devils mostly when I am talking to the kids. Why? Because they're like, oh, what's that? You know, they've seen a movie or something with, with the fork and, you know, the little horns and everything, that little guy. No, what are, what are devils? They're simply lying spirits, right? They're lies, which when we want to win back the heavens, we've got to tear down the lies. Because our battle isn't here, it's in here. And so when we tear down the lies, it releases freedom in the kingdom. It releases a measure of grace to each, to each of us. And so in comparison, you be you, be you, be you. Find out who you are. How do you find out who you are? Get, a, get in a family. I love it what Chris Valton says. He says... Um, Find your family, find your destiny. Or find your family, find your dreams. Most of us are living the other way around. We're like, I gotta find my dreams, I gotta find my dreams. Well, look up and look around. Look up and look around, because they're probably in that person that you're most familiar with, or that person that you've kind of turned off because of hurt or pain, or that person that you've kind of said, ah, I can't go to them anymore, and I'm a big fan of trust, and I don't have time to talk about trust tonight. So it's good to build trust with people. We want want to do that. But at the same very moment, what happens is we get hurt and then we start rejecting people's influence into our lives. And all I know is I want your influence in my life. I need you. Not just through natural one-on-one conversation, but when you show up, everything changes in a place like this. So, and then they go down in this chapter. Now you are the body, in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. I wanna skip down. Let's go for 28. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, In various kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now I love this, but it brought a whole bunch of confusion to me, especially as a young man. Because if you skip over and let's go over now to Ephesians 4, And I looked and I'm like, oh, apostles are cool. Because they're number one, right? The first, first. I want to be first, Jesus. I want to be an apostle. And I don't know if you know anything about the kingdom, but the kingdom is very upside down. It says in the kingdom, the first shall be last. And if you look at the life of Jesus, the great apostle... He put a towel on his arm and he knew how to serve. He knew how to go low. He knew how to get in the mud, the mire. He knew how to be in the places that those religious people wouldn't go. He knew how to hang out with the prostitutes, with those that were were what society would say was less than. He knew how to love, which he knew how to lead. He knew what it looked like to be first. And if you skip up a few lines, again, in that Corinthians passage, you see, like, what are they called there? Um, The un, oh, where's it at? Oh, I'm in Ephesians. That's why I can't skip up. i got to be in Corinthians. Um, The members, oh, where's it? I think he actually calls them dishonorable members. What's he call them? Oh, the weaker, the weaker members, and he goes into these weaker members, and he just describes these um, places are weak. And if I've done some studies on the fivefold, and they actually believe that they are pointing back to the fivefold. The reproductive organs, the things like this, these weaker spots. Because Paul then goes into a whole bunch of things about himself, his life, how he's been weaker. He's been the worst of all because he was the one killing the Christians. And then he became the one that suffered the most. But he was a great leader because he led with a towel over his arm. He led with a place of sacrifice. And he said, these people are... Deserving of more honor. And I love the word honor because honor is recognizing the gift on somebody's life. And you never want to be honored for something that is not yours. It's not helpful. It goes back into comparison. It actually creates confusion. We want to be rightly honored for who we are because the glory that you get to display in the earth is yours and yours alone that only comes from the Father. And it's a beautiful glory. It's a special glory. And so we don't want something that isn't ours. You be you. You be you. And so in this, then he lists the five. He lists in, back in Ephesians and he says, first, he says, pardon me, then he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And this is kind of where I want to, want to end tonight, because what are these five for? What do they do? And it says what they do right here. It says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And here, even in this concept, what I've seen so much of is we don't know how to honor one another. Because you hear perversions from leaders saying, pastors, the fivefold, they're the most important people. They're not the most important people. You being you is the most important person. Me being me is the most important person. There's not a comparison. There's not a scale. You be you. You be you. And if you're you, it's going to feel and be awesome. But if we're trying to be somebody else, if we're trying to put on somebody else's shoes, you're going to be working for love in somebody else's shoes. Nobody's got time for working for love. We work from love. We work from that place of being abiding in him. And the body is beautiful. And so each of these five gifts release grace to the church. They release grace for you to step into a new level of bringing heaven to earth. And some of these graces, the challenge with, with even in the, 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 the five-fold ministry is they point fingers at one another And this is kind of what pointing fingers at one another. In our culture, the pastorate has been the most common church model. And what do pastorates do? Like, oh, you are my people and I will take care of you. You can call me anytime. I will meet with you at any moment. I'll probably collect your tithe too, but I will meet with you at any moment and I care about you. I'm obviously being a little, I'm being facetious. But the pastorate model points back to a consumer mindset for believers, where the church comes to consume. You are not here to consume. You get to do the exact same thing that the other fivefold get to do, which is, ah, you're good. Worship. You get to do, you get to be you, in this environment and you bring your special specific glory and giftings and calls and anointings. We need you. We need you. And so you have the, the and then you have the evangelists. They're like, what are we doing in the building again? Oh my gosh. There's a world out there dying and you are sitting in your seats again. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with you? And we get this like, go, tell your neighbor. Now, not, no, now, get up. Just go, 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 go. Oh, you wanna go? Oh, I wanna go too, let's go. We'll leave the rest of these people who cares about the people, let's just go because there's a lost and dying world out there that need the gospel. There's truth to both of these, right? But these are the models that I grew up with. These are the normal, the normal. It's all about the sheep or it's all about the lost. Those are both really good things. The Bible has a lot to say about those things. A lot. Really good. Really big deal. Really, really big deal. And then you have the teacher. That's the other. The teacher's probably the most common in America. What do they do? Get up there. Today, open your Bible. We are going to just read the whole entire thing because I don't believe that you read the Bible throughout the week. <laughs> and you have to know the Bible. I love the Bible. I'm the biggest fan of the Bible. It's just like I'm a big fan of evangelism and pastoring. But they do the exact same thing. And so we become a consumer model. How was the word today? I don't know. I think they got that last part off. Are you sure being filled with the spirit is the evidence of tongues? Didn't that denomination, what, what happened? Like, are you sure? I, I don't know if that's what they said. The exegesis and hermeneutics on that, that was just, that was off. Do they know they're Greek and Hebrew? And the teachers just go to school just because it's fun. They're like, I have three doctorates and I'm on my fourth. I'm smart. And, and I'm obviously teasing about these giftings. They're so valuable. We have to have the Word of God. If we're doing anything that contradicts this, that's not okay. It's a, but it's a big deal. And then the prophets. Oh, I shouldn't even talk about those. Just like somebody with a long beard and a staff's going to come in here, and they're going to like start calling out people's sin. Sinner! I mean, they're going to pull up, stand up, you! You know, I mean, obviously this is a little bit old model. If you've been in our culture at all, we don't do this at all. But, you know, this is the kind of mindset that I had. You know, and all these gifts are beautiful. Evangelists, we need their grace. I don't know about you, but you ever ask yourself, when's the last time you mentioned the gospel to a friend, a neighbor? Don't let that guilt thing set in. That's the devil. Shoot that thing with a bazooka. But ask yourself, do you forget if you are some of these other, what the pastor is for? That the pastor actually helps shepherd and steward the hearts of the flock to help them grow from glory to another glory. It's such a needed. They bring that that, that emphasis on, on community love. Such a big deal. Such a big deal. But guess what? This gathering That's not the primary reason why we gather here. I don't know about you, but I can have about a five-minute conversation with some of you. And then the other people feel left out. If you're part of the pastoral model, that's the cycle. But if we're actually here to bring who we are, and we're the biggest fan of creating community, because that's part of the job. But again... And then the evangelist, it just keeps on the cycle. The, the prophet, they, 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 they get lost without the apostle. And the biggest thing tonight, Christ is the head apostle. So if you want an apostolic mindset, if you're in Christ, you get an apostolic mindset. If you know the why. The biggest things that apostles bring, and this is what I want to end with, Apostles are sent ones that show the Father. So the primary thing is look at the Father. Look at the Father. When you come here, look at the Father. Why? Because most of us are so much like this. We're navel-gazing. Then the pastor comes out. You're navel-gazing. Let me help you. I'll gaze at it too. Okay. I think I see the lie. Maybe. I don't know. Let me just hug you. Come here. I'll be at your house tomorrow. Everything's going to be okay. They're good. It's a big deal. But what do the apostolic do? It says, look up. Look up. Look up. Because you have a heavenly father with an apostolic prayer that Jesus said, our father who out in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, this, it's a different mindset. It's heaven towards earth. A lot of us are stuck in some of these, these, these cycling mindsets. And what the apostolic anointing does is it allows you to pick your head up and see and receive. And that's a primary thing of him being just a, a father. And they point you to the father. They bring heaven to earth. They're about signs and wonders and miracles. They're about shaking you insane. you can heal the sick, you can raise the dead, you can cast out devils. It's just who you are. It's one of my favorite things about being under the covering of Bill Johnson. The first time I saw him, actually I saw him when I was eight, so we'll move forward. He used to come to our church all the time. But when I got older, um, the first time I saw him when he was at Bethel Redding, was I believe was in 99, and he said, okay, we're going to pray for the sick. We're like, okay, I know what's going to happen. The man of God, the apostle He's going to line everybody up and pray for them. Bam, 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 bam. No, he actually did what real apostles do, which is you guys pray for them. Because you carry the very, very essence of God in you. And healing is part of your portion. It's part of just who you are. And this is what that grace releases. They become fathers and not fathers that are out in front of our house playing catch. I love those kind of fathers. We need those type of fathers. But they bring apostolic words for now. And I love this about that. If you look in, in Acts 2, um, around 42, it says that, um, that they gathered around the apostles' doctrine. And the teacher is like, where's the list? Where's the list? Where's the doctrinal list? I'm really good with my doctrinal lists, because then I know if the people are in error, and I can let them know. Where's the? No. Why does it not list doctrine there? Because it's what God, the Rama voice of God, is speaking now. It's what apostles and prophets bring. What God is speaking today, in this very instance. And no, it never violates. The Logos, it never will violate this. But what will it do? It'll build on top of it. Now, I don't mean like adding to the word of God. Please don't hear that. I mean, but it'll bring a fresh breath of what God is doing now. That's why denominationalism is death. Because they gather around doctrine. I love doctrine. There's good, there's, trust me, if you ask our team, they're like, Justin's the doctor. are like, oh, are we doing that? What are we thinking here? It's the way I think. But what the, the, the apostles bring that sense of a now word, a heaven word. And what's beautiful is not every local church needs these fivefold functioning. But when you're in relationship with this kind of a five-fold atmosphere, it brings something different. And I'm so thankful for what it brings to our personal environment. And then I will end here. Apostles also release all the gifts. They want to see the four other gifts released. They want to see the, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the, which one did I miss? The prophet. Poor Blake Healy. I just left him out there. It actually raises up the other four, and actually the body gets to receive that anointing. And that's the beauty because the apostolic mindset is not about them. It's about the family of God. It's about serving, undergirding who you already are. And I thank you that Jesus is our apostle. But I also thank you for the body of Christ. That Actually, there's probably apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists amongst us but we haven't known a lot of times as communities what to do with these type of people. And those members are not always paid staff or on a church S- salary. Uh, um, yeah, salary. Payroll, thank you, there it is. Business, the business person over there probably said that. And so, but what it does is it actually releases heaven. They, their number one purpose is the presence of God. That's why worship is such a core value in this house. We can drop everything just to say, worship you. And what happens with a community that isn't just looking for the teaching of the word, but it just comes with that apostolic anointing to say, oh, if if God just shows up, I hope nobody grabs the mic. Seriously. Seriously. And all the other functions are important. But these things actually release the body of Christ to be all that each of us were called to be. And that is glorious. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of body that I want to be a part of. And churches, this gathering that we do is super important. Not because of guilt or shame or we have to gather, just because the Bible told us so. It's probably a good reason because there's going to be grace to release. But if we stop and we're just like, ah, oh, and we come with that kind of attitude, what kind of heaven do you think you're opening? When we, or we come out of duty or works. No, let us come together with first and foremost the presence of God to be our chief um, desire, And again, what you get alone with God is so beautiful. It's priceless. You can never give that away. But same with what you do when you come to a place like this and say, how great is our God. And I love it because then the grace starts to get released for all sorts of fun things, signs, wonders, miracles, for just an atmosphere of heaven. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not okay if we just change in here. I want to see a city change. And I, I value what we do in here. But at the end of the day, it's this and that. It's not one or the other. It's not just the kingdom and not the church. Or just the church and not the kingdom. It's both hand in hand. And we get to work Um. Through love and by love. And that's what's beautiful about the end of this. You know how that Corinthians verse ends. And I want you to stand on this. You can stand up with me, not on this. After it lists those first apostles, second teachers, or whatever it is, that beautiful list, it's important. <laughs> it, it goes into, but the greatest of these, what does it say? Let's, let's read it. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. So it says, yeah, go after it. Then it says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Because all what I said without love is really, really noisy. It sounds like me clanging on those cymbals. You couldn't hear a word I was saying. Without love, which love is not a thing. It's not this abstract concept. It's the person of the Godhead. It's the three persons in one. That is love. It's not just a cute concept or a fuzzy feeling that we have. It's so much more than that. I love the concept and the feeling. It's so much more than that. It's a person. And I don't know about you, but I just want to receive more of this love. And I want to value and honor each other's differences. And this this was a lot about the fivefold and especially apostolic because of what I wanted to talk about for this room, for what we do. For why we gather, for the why. But more than anything, I want you and me to be the church. Not only in here, but out here. It's both and. And so, through this thing called love. So, put your hand on your heart. So, Father God, we just thank you that we are the church. And I thank you for this local church. And that Bethel, Atlanta is not the only local church, but we are part of a larger body in this beautiful region. And I pray that the church as a whole would just come under the alignment of just you as our heavenly father, as a good God. And we would put healthy order in all that we do. And I thank you that that releases responsibility and healthy authority, not authority of control, but authority that actually serves. And I thank you that you, you end this whole concept about the church and the fivefold in the body with the greatest of these. The greatest of any of this is love. And love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy. I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and the rest of them. I just thank you. This is a body that gets to exude you and your presence. And we thank you that, that apostles release an apostolic mindset. So therefore, we all get to be apostolic in our mindset. We all get to receive prophetic We all get to be those that teach other. We all get to be those that pastor and evangelize. That we get all of this grace. And I thank you for heaven's order and that it releases whole new levels of what your kingdom prayer was, was earth as it is in heaven. Just pray that with me. On earth earth. as as it is in heaven. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.